I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. everybody and welcome to the very next episode of the Remedy with Tobacito. We are so happy to have you here today and I am so excited and so humbled and so grateful to have our guest um, on the phone today. I'd love to have her in studio but she's still being a responsible COVID social distancer. There's not many of you left, Kiana. I know that's really sad though. <laughs> There's not I many come of out you and love. Play too. <laughs> yeah, I want you to come out and play. I I I just yes, I would love to see your beautiful smile, but I am so thankful that you are with us today. Before I introduce you, I want to take a minute and thank the sponsor of today's episode, which is Kiana, your dear friend and mine, Kathy Williamson. Um Yay. I know. How precious is she? She texted this morning and she was like, I want to sponsor the episode today. I just oh love her and I love you and I'm so proud of both of you. And I, oh. um, I know she's really, she's she yeah. is. And, and she is how you and I met. I met you a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. when Kathy, who I call Kitty, do you call her Kitty or do you call her Kathy? I call her Kitty too. Kitty. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we met while she was going through cancer and I think I met you at her cancer her over party. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like she was done with her treatments. I think I met you and your husband at, it was at, uh, uh, Bistro 31 bar. It was. Is that yeah. right? Isn't that where I yeah. met you? Yep, that's where we met. Yep. I, I had heard about you a lot, but then I got to meet the wonderful Toba. Well, person. and I had heard a lot about you too, and I got to meet the wonderful Kiana. Um, Kiana, you are truly one of the most, and your husband, just positive, I mean, stunningly beautiful, crazy, crazy, Aww. crazy beautiful. But, you know, it's like being beautiful is on the outside, I don't think is as that doesn't impress me as much as the beauty on the inside. And yeah. as gorgeous as you are on the outside, it doesn't even come close to match you and your energy and your beauty on the inside. And Aww. you've been a, um, you know, a sports illustrated, uh, swimsuit model. So that's kind of hard to pull off. <laughs> oh, you're embarrassing like, me now <laughs> i get shy when i talk about that stuff oh, well, i wouldn't get if hell if i was a sports illustrated swimsuit model i'd have that crap framed in my front foyer for everybody hey, you have to pass this in order to get into my house <laughs> have you seen oh, my God. sports illustrated cover have you seen have you seen my new york modeling pictures <laughs> girl well, oh, I hope so you Thank have that you. up. You you should be so proud. Um, I am. You should. Uh, but but the thing that has 
I mean, the, all of those things, your resume and the things that you've accomplished in the modeling and, uh, you know, all that world are, are astounding, but who you are as a human and a mother and a wife, I mean, you and your husband and your sweet baby just glow, um, glow. And you set an example of so many beautiful things of love and family and goodness. And I mean, you're such a champion and so is your husband for him and he for you. I mean, y'all are just precious, just precious. We love each other. You do. You do. (laughs) We do. do. But you know what? The world needs to see that. And you, you show it in spades. It's the sweetest thing ever. Oh, well, thank you. I need to call you every day. I love uh, all of this. <laughs> uh, so, awesome. Kiana, I've only met you like in social settings. I've only spoken to you on, on like a surface level, you know, like, I mean, we have a definite mutual admiration, but I don't know a lot about you. So what I, here's what I know about you. Um, I, I know you're beautiful inside and out. I know that your family is your priority. I know that you and your husband are black. Um, I know that you love your child deeply um, and that motherhood and family is your priority. Um, I know that you are an incredible friend uh, and I know that you've been incredibly successful, that you and your husband have been uh, incredibly successful in in your uh, in your fields and, and your professions. But I don't, um, I wanted you, I asked you on this because I know that, that you have, um, had a lot of passion around the, the, what's happening in our world. And, um, you have, you know, you have a voice you have a platform and, and yet you are very kind and uh, precious, uh, for lack of a better, I mean, I just don't know how else to say it. It's when I see your posts and I, and I see what you write and I see what you think, um, it's not, it's not, there's not, uh, there may be anger, there may be disgust, there may be sadness, there may be hurt, but I don't, like a lot of people have this like, like revenge and hate and, um, and I don't feel that from you and yeah, it's, and, and yet there's a lot of passion. I've, I definitely feel a lot of passion from you. And so I, this is a tricky, this is a tricky conversation, right? Because it is very heated and, uh, you know, it's so funny. I, uh, counsel quite a few people and, and I, over the last week, over the last couple of weeks, I have met with several couples who, um, who have talked to me about how they've had huge fights. They've gotten in huge fights about this, um, because, you know, nobody was talking, they, they've never talked about it before. They never knew each other's stance on it before they, and they are, they think differently or they have different opinions or they have different outlooks, different perspectives. And it, it's amazing to me how, if anything, how 
many people have never had these conversations before and how much we're learning about our significant others. I've learned a lot about my children. They've learned a lot about me (laughs) in all of this. And it's just created a lot of emotion in, in a lot, in everyone for all different kinds of reasons. So, um, that's why I asked you on, I want to talk about it because I think it's important to talk about, um, the name of the, the, this, uh, podcast is the remedy. And, you know, if we don't address and try to help, uh, solve or come at least create a conversation where, um, we can get people thinking and, and about what's going on in the world, uh, then I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing it right. So we can talk about skincare and we can talk about sex and we can talk about relationships. But when, you know, when the temperature is hot about racism, then I'm not going to shy away from talking about that either. Um, so that's, I love you. Thank you you for that. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, because it's brave because not everybody is going to agree with what you have to say and what I have to say. And you know, what's funny is I, we didn't have a conversation before we talked. And so I was even thinking today and when I was praying about this today, I was like, you know, if her and I don't agree on something, Lord, just let that be okay too. You know, I mean, because it, it, you don't know. So before we go down that road, what I would love for you to share with all of us is a little bit about you, where you grew up, um, your home, your family, where you went to school, how you met your husband. Okay. So, um, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for even having me on. It means so much. And, you know, um, I think we're in a time right now where, you know, when you have someone that's willing to amplify your voice, it means so much, like even more than I, I don't have the words to tell you what that means to me, but um, just to have the opportunity um, and the, and, you know, knowing that you genuinely want to learn. And I think that's, uh, that's just a beautiful thing and just such a reflection of who you are and where your heart is. And, and I love that. So thank you so thank much you, about Keanu. that that's um, such for, a nice for this thing opportunity. For <laughs> um, well, it's a privilege so, to have you here today. So thank you. Oh, um, so I grew up in Newport News, Virginia. Um, I, you know, I was raised by my mom and dad. I have a little brother that's two years younger than me. Um, and honestly, I had kind of a lot of people call it the Cosby show kind of life Mm -hmm. minus, you know, all the craziness that he did. Um, but you know, my, my parents never argued, never fought in front of us. Like, so I grew up, you know, really, you know, my parents were ministers. I grew up in church. I didn't um, know that. Where, that what ministry, what, what church, what religion? So, uh, we went to a non-denominational church in our, in our hometown okay. called New Life Church. That's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom, um, and dad were children's church pastors. <laughs> so they were always involved in the children's ministry. Even to this day, they still do the same thing. They're involved in children's ministry. Um, which is so interesting. I won't even go on that whole path, but my mom was legally blind when I grew up. She had a disease called keratoconus. And um, it's basically 
excuse me, when the cornea in your eye is, is coned instead of round, so light can't come in. So eventually she was uh, legally blind, um, but she ended up getting two cornea transplants and they both came from children. So wow. I always say you really do see through children's eyes. Wow. Um, and her sight came back? It fixed it? So, yeah. So the thing with the cornea is it shifts. So, you know, some days she sees better than others, but she definitely, I mean, she has her driver's license. She can, you know, she's independent now. So she can do all the things that she was not able to do when I was growing up, which is awesome. How old were you when she went completely blind? Um, So she never was completely blind, just Mm -hmm. legally blind. Okay. Um, and I've always known her to be that way until mm-hmm. I was 13 when she had her cornea transplant. Okay. Um, the first one. So she had her left eye done first. And I remember it was such a beautiful story. So she, um, I always wanted to be a nurse. I, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I actually wanted to be a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I would act as her nurse. She came home from the hospital and I was changing her bandage one day and she held my hand and said, Kiana, stop. You're so beautiful. And I was like, mom, what are you talking about? Oh. And she was like, oh my gosh, I can see you. You're so beautiful. And so oh. up until that point, I had no idea that she like what she saw. She just saw visions of me um, and my brother. Um, wow. And I was like, oh, so no wonder you wanted me to wear like bright yellow pants so you could recognize me at the bus stop. You know, like things started to click for me. That's cute. Um, yeah. So oh. that's when I really realized, oh, she really couldn't see. Um, because, you know, when you grow up with a parent with a disability, you just don't know it to be any different mm-hmm. until things change. And then you're like, wow, okay. She, um, she really couldn't see like the deaf and blind people came to our house to kind of, um, show her, you know, the beginning stages of like how to read braille because her, uh, if she hadn't had that transplant, she would have become totally blind. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so I grew up, you know, with both of my parents and my brother and, you know, we grew up in, um, in a, you know, middle-class neighborhood, but the neighborhood that we lived in was all white. And I do remember um, our neighbors did not like us being there at all. Wow. And uh, how did you know that? They would, well, they would, they would do things like, you know, call the police. If my dad, I remember my dad bought this, um, this truck because he used to love, we had a thrift store. My parents owned a thrift store. And so he would go to yard sales. And so he had this like kind of delivery truck that he had bought and he had just got it. He had it parked in the yard and he was waiting for the license plates to come in. So our neighbors called the police because we had a truck in our yard without a license plate. And they would do that kind of stuff all the time. They would call the city on us if the grass got too long. So if my dad skipped a week in cutting the grass, like they would call the city. It was always somebody at our house. And it was just, you know, like being so young and having my parents kind of avoid conflict in front of us, but seeing that conflict from the outside, Mm -hmm. it was, it was really, um, I think when I was in it, it didn't bother me as much as when I got older and I realized, okay, they they didn't want us there because we were black and we were messing up kind of the flow of what their, the neighborhood was all about. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't until we were there maybe five or six years before we had another black neighbor. Um, and I went, you know, I went to pretty much an all white high school. Um, 
but because I was modeling, I started modeling when I was 13, it kind of gave me, a, um, I don't know, like people, people respected me because I was a model. They wanted to be my friend, mm-hmm. but it was only because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, you're in Seventeen magazine and you're in Allure magazine, all these magazines, they would see me and they would want to be my friend because of that. But mm-hmm. they didn't want to you know, they didn't want me at their house. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really realize that until I got older, like, oh, wow, like, I never really went over, you know, such Mm -hmm. and such as house, they always came to my house, or we always met out somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you date? Did you have boyfriends? No, I actually did not have any boyfriends until I was about 16 or 17 years old. I was, I was like a junior in high school before I started. I, I was always so tall. I'm 5'11 and I've been 5'11 so since tall. I was 13. Oh my gosh. You're so, I'm like and a so, peanut next to you. Oh my I'm gosh. So I, I know, and then I'm wearing heels. So I'm like 6'8, you know, I'm like yeah. super tall. So <laughs> all the boys were always shorter than me. And in middle school, there was one guy who was as tall as me. And they were like, you should date him because you guys are both black and you boys are both tall. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't want to date anybody. I just, I just want to go home and be with my family. Um, and so that's kind of been, that's, you know, um, I, 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 I feel like I had a really, I had a really nice childhood. Like, you know, we went on family vacations and we did all the, all the things that, you know, that you want to do as a child, like the Disney world and, you know, all of that. And my parents, they always, always, always protected us and always, you know, let us know, um, about the Lord and how, how to fear him and all those things, um, which were deeply ingrained in me. And I think that's why I get really shy when I, when people talk about all the accolades, Mm -hmm. right. Um, when it comes to modeling, because I know that my purpose was, um, in that industry was to bring light there. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I was, I went to a model search and that's how I became a model when I was 12 years old. And, um, I remember like clear as day being at the model search and the woman behind me, she was like this older woman with white hair. And she said to me, um, she said, as long as you keep God first, you're going to go really far in this industry. And this model search was a three day event and we didn't see her. My mom and I did not see her at all. Um, after the search, I mean, during the whole course of the, you know, three days. And I said, I think she was an angel. (laughs) I do too. I believe in that stuff. (laughs) I do too. I do too. I do too. What a profound thing for her to say. And what a profound thing for you to hear. And I love that you still remember it. Like think about what, I'm sure such a small thing for her, you know, such a small thing for her to say. Uh And yet look at the impact it made on your life. Yeah. Yeah. It was did huge. your it was parents everything. want you to get into modeling or is that something that you felt strongly about? How, how did that even come about? So my cousin heard a radio ad on um, TV and I mean on the radio and she said, um, there's a model search coming. and She wanted to be a model. So she said, do you think your mom could take us? And I said, okay, I'll ask her. And so my mom, um, said, okay, I'll take you guys. And it was at this hotel and we show up to the hotel and there's probably, I don't know, 500 girls there wanting the same thing. And so, um, part, part of what you had to do was, you know, they had two, two model scouts 
and they talked to you in the beginning about what they were all about. And then, you know, if you wanted to, uh, to go to the big convention they were having, they had to, you know, let you know whether or not you, you had what it takes to be a model or whatever. Mm -hmm. So my cousin went up there and they told her no. And then there was, you know, other people going up there and it was like, yes and no. So by the time they were all done, it was about 50 people that they had selected. And so, because I didn't go, I, I just sat with my mom. And so as we were leaving, the owner of the model search comes to me. He's like, why didn't you go up there? Why are you leaving? And I said, well, I didn't come for me. I came for my cousin. And so he said, no, 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 no. I want you to listen to everything I have, you know, to, I have to say, I want you to be at the convention. And I knew my parents didn't have the money to send me to this thing. It was like a thousand dollars or something like that. And it was just, you know, they, they did not have it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, he finished his spiel. He said, anybody that is going to go to the convention, come and shake my hand. So my mom, my cousin and I were going to turn around and leave and we're getting up to go. Cause you know, I knew I couldn't go to the convention and, uh, he says, no, what are you doing? I need you to stay. Just wait until everybody's gone. So we wait and we're sitting there. And at this time I'm like, this is really strange. Like he wants me to just sit here with my mom and my cousin. And so everybody leaves, he closes the door and um, he's like, you have something so special. Um, I want to pay for your parents. And you know, he said, I want to pay for you and your mom. And he said, if your dad's in picture, I'll pay for him too. And it was, when I look back, I'm like, well, why would he even ask if my dad's in the picture? Like, why would you, you know what I mean? Like, why would you just assume that he's not in the picture? Um, but he said, he said, you know, I want to pay for you guys. So he paid for us, you know, um, I was 12 at this time. So, you know, you mailed, he mailed the airline tickets and, you know, pay for everything. And I was selected by nine agencies at that convention in Florida. What? Um, so that's how I got started. Yeah. I got started, um, with Wilhelmina was my, my first oh, agency that, that I was signed to. That's like the best first place to be. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I did not seek it out at all. Wow. I was it found you. Yeah, it found me. That is on me. <laughs> and think about how much, that's kind of just pissed so many people off. Right there. Yes. I mean, think about how yes. many people like even your poor cousin. I mean, I know, I know. Oh. I know. It, it caused a little rift between us for like a year, but then we got over it and we were like, okay. <laughs> wow. That's an unbelievable story. So did you yeah. enjoy it? I mean, you weren't even trying. Like, did you, did you like it? You know what it was in the beginning? I felt like I needed to, um, pay my parents back. Right. So, so okay. So when I first started, so when I first went to New York, I was, I signed with Wilhelmina on my 13th birthday. And I wow. went to New York, my parents went with me to take me. And then my mom, you know, stayed in Spring Valley, New York, kind of um, on the outskirts where I was staying, cause I was in the city. And I lived in the model's apartment during that summer. Um, and the model's apartment is like a two bedroom apartment with eight girls and a chaperone, right? Normally it's like an intern from the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was 13 years old, I was raped in New York. And, um, at by that somebody point, you knew? No, no, I did not know this person. Um, and so oh that happened and I didn't tell anybody for three years. And I remember 
um, I had this huge job opportunity in California and it was with Steven Mizell. I was shooting for the gap. It was going to be all over Times Square, all over every magazine. It's going to be everywhere. And I remember my agency calling so excited. They're like, this is going to be your break. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. And my dad was like, why don't you want to do it? And I was like, I just don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I just felt, I felt scared um, Mm. that something was going to happen because I was going by myself this time. Mm. And I didn't know how to tell them that. So finally, my dad's like, okay, honey, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. And then I, and then I told them what happened. And at that point, my dad was like, okay, I'm taking, if this is something that you want to do, you, if you want to be a model, I will take a leave of absence from my job, which was huge at that time because my mom wasn't working. She was recovering from her, um, from her um, second cornea transplant at that time. So she wasn't working. So for him to take a leave of absence um, when my parents were living basically check to check, it was a huge huge um Mm -hmm. step of faith Mm -hmm. and so uh he he uh took off uh for a month and went with me to new york and he said i will go with you to every single appointment that you need to go to because i'm not going to have the enemy come in and steal this from you if this is what you want to do because of fear and he did and that is um, so so sweet what yeah so when i started modeling i felt like it wasn't like fun, but for me, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't like it. I was kind of indifferent about it. Um, But then that was kind of the turning point where I was like, okay, I have, I need to like pay my parents back. So that was the goal, right? I was like, they took up, took out loans for my dad to be able to be with me. My mom's at home with my brother. Like they need stuff. I need to make money to do this. They never put that pressure on me, but that's what I felt. So it became um, this thing where I was like, okay, I have to do well so I can do this. Um, What? I mean, not that anybody put that on you, but what a burden for a child. Yeah, it was, I just felt that, and they never told me anything. I never knew they were check to check. I never knew any of that. It was just what I felt like was going on. Like Mm -hmm. I knew my parents couldn't afford it. And I knew, I just, I just, and I don't know how I knew, which is, which is the crazy part because they never told me any of that. And I never seen, I never, like we never, we weren't eating like, you know, beans and hot dogs, you know, we were eating (laughs) full meals. So I don't know how I knew, but I think it was just, you know, it was just inside of me. Like, I want to make sure that my parents' house is going to be paid for and all these things I wanted to do. So I had these big goals. So modeling for me became um, not a job because I did enjoy it. I enjoyed traveling. I thought I saw it as a way that my parents could also see the world um, and I could see the world. And, you know, people were nice. They, you know, um, but then, you know, of course, things change as you get older and you're like, okay, this is a business um, there's clear discrimination in this, in this business, especially mm-hmm. at the time when I was there, because there could only be one black girl if they were going to even use a black girl for shows or anything like that. Um, most of the time, like one black girl had their, you know, had their spike of their career and that was that. And then once she faded out, then it was room for another one. Wow. Um, and so there, and you, know, you felt that you felt that. You knew, oh, you yeah, knew that. Definitely. I, at, at 16 years old, I remember being in Italy and I won't say the name of the big fashion house, but a huge fashion house. Um, 
it was fashion week and I had a casting. And uh, when I got to the gates, uh, there was a sign on the door that said, we're not casting for black girls, so don't come in. It's just clear like that. And I was with a friend of mine. So I said, okay, well, we're, we're doing castings together. So I'll just sit with you. And when I came in to sit with her, they said I couldn't be there because they weren't casting for black girls. And I was like, okay. You know, I just went outside the gate and I waited for her. And I, I honestly didn't feel anything because I, I was, it was almost something I was used to. Wow. Um, just the way that it was. You know. It was just the way it was. And so it never made you what. angry that like you might have been the like token black person. Oh, never. Mm-mm. Never. Oh. I think because I was used to being in settings where I was the only black girl. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like at school or, you know, in our neighborhood or, mm-hmm. you know, going to a casting and being the only black girl mm-hmm. um, or going on a job and being the only black person on the whole set. No mm-hmm. photographer, no, you know, mm-hmm. catering. Mm-hmm. Everybody's white except for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I and I think that's part of the problem, too, is that we were like if you're in that setting all the time, you're just used to however you're being treated because it's normal and it shouldn't be, but it is. Right. Um, it's your normal. And yeah. And that's like my reality. So, mm-hmm. you know, when people are like, oh, well, you know, you're a model, like you don't experience any of this. And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and I have for a number of years, like, mm-hmm. and I still do. I mean, even to this day, I still I still experience it. There are things that I'm intentional about that, um, that a lot of my white friends don't have to be intentional about. I'd love to know what those are. Um, if you don't mind. So, Oh no, I didn't know if I was getting ahead of myself or not. (laughs) Well, well, I uh, want to go back to like the, I want to go back to your story, but you saying that I want to capture that while we have the opportunity, because that the answer to that fascinates me. Yeah. So, um, I was just sharing with a girlfriend of mine, um, last year, my nephew, he came to stay with us for the summer and, um, you know, he wanted, he, he did so well. So I said, okay, you know, you can pick up, he, he wanted a belt, a designer belt. So I said, okay, we're I'm going to take you to North park mall and we're going to go get you a belt. And so we go to Gucci and, you know, he's never been in any of these stores before. So he's so excited. He's 16 years old. He's at that time. He was 15 years old. He's super excited. Um, and so we go to the Versace store and we walk in and they tell me the one of the salespeople, a person, he comes to me, he says, you guys can't be in here. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, um, you can't be in here. And I said, are you guys closed? And he said, no, we're not closed. You can't be in here because you have to be 16. And I said, okay, I'm over 16 clearly. <laughs> and, um, and he said, I need to see your ID. And so to you, I said, I'm yeah, to me, <laughs> to me. And it's, and my nephew, you know, he, I mean, he, you're young and beautiful, said, but you're Definitely. I'm not 16. No, I'm like, I have a wedding ring on, you know, we're dressed in like our workout, like my, my nephew has on like a hoodie, but his hood's not on. Like he, if you looked at him, you'd be like, oh, he's a troublemaker because mm-hmm. he is a stereotypical black, black boy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because of the way that he dresses and, and whatever. Sure. Um, and so I'm like, I'm just hanging out with my nephew. And so after that happened, 
my nephew, he just said, I don't want to be your auntie. I, I don't even want to wear a Versace belt. And I was like, I was like, okay, I didn't know what to do. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do, Trey? I'm going to call my agency and I'm going to um, let them know what's happening because I know for a fact that Versace, the brand is not racist but you have someone who just treated us like that and they need to know about it. Mm -hmm. And this guy had no idea what kind of power I had to let, let, let my agency know so that Mm -hmm. he could get fired. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I dealt with that situation. And my nephew said, Oh, wow. Like he just, cause he said, I just want to curse him out. And I said, no, that's not how you win this fight. You have to, you have to fight with your mind. You can't fight with your emotions. Mm. Um, And that's really hard to suppress when you just want to like, go off yeah you when know, you're and pissed and hurt mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was really the first time that I felt like I did not know what to do and I think mm-hmm. it was like that motherly instinct in me that was like I don't want my nephew to experience this you know mm-hmm. and if this is a little taste of what he's getting because he said oh this is nothing this happens to me all the time where they tell me I can't be in be somewhere and I was like what um wow. so yeah, it's and so and so uh, so I was telling my girlfriend back to what I was saying. I was telling my girlfriend this story, and she said, "You know, you have um, it's just the, the 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 little things that you have to do. Like if I'm wearing a designer bag, I don't get followed around in in Neiman's or in Nordstrom's, wherever I'm I'm shopping, the grocery store. I don't get followed around. I don't get asked constantly." if I need help, if I'm wearing the right things, if I'm going in after a workout and I just have like, you know, my, my keys in my pocket, I don't have a bag or anything. I am constantly asked, can I help you? Uh, are you looking for somebody? Um, constantly. Um, and if I'm in a store with my white friends and I have on the same exact thing, I don't get asked at all. Um, and this happens all the time, like all the time. So are they asking you that because they want to hurry you along and get you out? Is that why? I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like they're asking me that because they want me to know that they're keeping eyes on me. Because one, one time I was in the grocery store, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm in the grocery store. And, um, and this lady, like literally, she was on every aisle I was on. And I said, are you looking for something? Or are you just following me? She's like, I'm just following you. And I was like, well, why are you following me? And she said, well, because you don't have a purse or anything on you. And you have all these groceries. And I just want to make sure that, you know, that you're going to pay for them. Like, that's what she said to me. Wow. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'll just leave these groceries here and I'll go somewhere else and go shopping. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, that you know, like makes my jaws clench. Like I just felt all this like energy in my jaws. Like, uh-huh. wow. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, even when I first got my first big check and uh, from modeling and I was like, I want to go buy a car. And my dad was like, okay, I'll go with you. So we go to the dealership you know, we're looking around, we're on the showroom floor. I see exactly what I want. I have the money ready and, um, I'm waiting for someone to ask me, like normally you go to a dealership and like 20 people come out to help you. Yeah. And so nobody was coming. So I was like, well, maybe they're just busy. So I sit down 
where the receptionist is. And she's like, can I help you? And she's like, I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, you're Kiana Korea. I know who you are. And she said, are you, are you, um, nobody's helped you yet? And I was like, no, no one's helped me. And so she um, calls, I guess, one of the associates and, and, and says, um, hey, um, I have someone here and she's going to buy a car. She has money. That's what she said um, to the sales guy. And I was just like, did you just tell him that I have money? And I said, and she said, Oh no, no, no. I was just letting him know that, you know, he wasn't going to be wasting his time just showing you around because people like to come in and just look, but they don't want to buy anything. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) I let him show me the car and do his spiel and do all the things. And I ended up going to another dealership, buying the same car that he showed me and having them service it. Because I, I just, I, I, I could not bring myself to purchase from that dealership. And so that's how I, how I kind of deal with racism is just figuring out a way to still get the things that I want. Because just because you have a racist person within your corporation does not mean that it's a racist corporation, right? Sure, so I'm not, of course. doesn't mean I'm never going to wear Versace because he treated me that way because I've done the show and been around the people that run this company for a while. So I, yeah. I know how they feel. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, not a representation. It, one person's response or behavior doesn't represent the whole kit and caboodle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, what, something that, uh, my kids and I were talking about yesterday. Um, and I'd be interested to get your take on this. Uh, we were having, I mean, obviously, you know, my kids are black and I know, you know, my story and my kids well. Uh, But I, uh, we were at um, their godparents yesterday for lunch and we were talking about everything. I mean, I feel like this whole, this whole thing that's going on in the world right now is, is pretty much what everybody's talking about. Um, but of course we were sitting around, which I love. I think everybody, I think this conversation should have, all these conversations probably should have happened a long time ago to the degree that they have, we've been having over the last couple of weeks. But, um, my daughter and I, uh, were debating about, well, I'll just tell you, we were debating about, um, I don't like the N word and it's offensive, um, I don't like it in any context. I don't think it's ever appropriate. Um, so whether it's somebody calling a person a name or whether it's in a rap song, like I don't like it. And, uh, and, but my daughter was saying, okay, mom, just to give you some, some, uh, she's like, can I, can I offer you another perspective? And I was like, sure. And she said, you know, I have heard and learned that, um, some black people don't mind calling another black person that because it's like they were called that for so many years and now they're claiming it and we can call each other that, but you can't call us that. And I was (laughs) telling her, okay, I don't, I hear that it doesn't change my mind. Like I still don't agree with it and I still don't want it. And I don't want the music in my house and I don't want it in the cars that I pay for that you drive. Like I don't want it. I don't like it. Um, 
Wait, what did you say? What were we talking about right before this? And because I had a point and I've lost my point. Don't you hate when that happens? I've got it. Yes. Uh, do you remember what you were talking? What you were saying? Do you want me to play it back real quick? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. We'll Hold pause. On. We'll pause. <laughs> okay. Hold on, okay. Kenneth. Okay, we went back and I've, I remembered. Thank you so much, Kevin. See, this is why we pay you the big bucks, Kev. <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, so, you know, I and I understand that she wanted to tell me, and, you know, she doesn't agree with it either, but she's just offering me the other perspective. And, yeah, I kind of got feisty because I have strong opinions about people, anybody using the N-word. And... Uh, she didn't like that I got feisty. And I mean, this is, I feel like this has like been the temperature of my home all week. <laughs> it's like, you know, emotions are just really high. But you know what she said to me? And she's never said anything like this to me before. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I would be very interested to see if, if this is how you feel, Kiana. But she said to me, you know what, mommy? When you, when you go to the grocery store, when you... When you And she said grocery store, which is interesting because you just talked about the grocery store and this is what reminded me of it. She said, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to church, when you go shopping, uh, when and, and she was like, and probably even when you went to school, she said, you never thought, I'm white. Like, mm -hmm. here I am white. <laughs> I'm a white girl now walking through the grocery store. And she was like, there is not a day that goes by that I am not reminded because of the way someone looks at me, stares at me, treats me, says something to me, uh, that I am not reminded that I'm black. And I was like, oh my gosh, like really? And she was like, every day I know I'm black. And I just, I, it blew my mind, Kiana, because yeah. I have never, I'm 48 years old and I have never thought, oh, I'm a white, I'm white. Oh, I'm white. You know, I'm, you know what? Maybe the only time I did is when I was a youth pastor and we went to TD Jake's church. But even then we were all the white people in the black church that day. It's not like I was yeah. like, you know, took one really went out on a limb and went and sat amongst all the black people down in the bit. I mean, we were just visiting the black yeah. church, you know? Uh. And I thought I had never, I've never thought I'm the white girl. So, yeah. and yet I'm hearing you say this about the grocery store. I'm hearing you say this about the modeling. I'm hearing your, know, your career your, your school, your, your, uh, shopping in Versace, like you have been reminded that you're black. Uh -huh. Have you felt that your whole life? You know, what's, um, I love that you brought that up and I love your daughter for, for how she spoke to you in love and offering you another perspective. Um, because I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. So yes and no, because I, I always, like, I feel like I only feel black in some, like when I'm in Virginia, when I'm in Texas, when I lived in New York, I can't say that I felt black. When I lived in Tribeca, I just felt like a human, mm -hmm. um, but I had these experiences of racism that I didn't even realize were racist. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's all the subtleties, all the little jokes, all the you know, all the little things that lead up to this kind of systematic racism that we all are talking about right now. Yeah. Um, this is where it starts. These little these little things, and I think because I was so used to it that it just became just the way it is, but I didn't feel singled out by anybody. I didn't feel like, you know, when I lived in New York, it didn't, it didn't matter. But when I went to, um, you know, a a certain store or something like that, and I wasn't dressed right, then I would feel like, oh gosh, um, they're going to give me a hard time, or I don't feel like dealing with this today. Let me just put some makeup on and look like, you know, I belong here. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so yeah, so I I am reminded that I'm a that I'm a black woman um, often, um, mm. and but you know amongst my friends like when I'm with Kitty or when I'm with you know if we're having lunch and and I don't feel anything I don't feel like oh gosh I gotta you know have my guard up or what was that comment about like I don't overanalyze any of this stuff I just I just feel human I just feel like we're just two girlfriends you know kicking it together. Mm-hmm. Um, But once she leaves and if I decide, okay, I'm going to go, you know, to, I don't know, um, whatever store or do something else, um, that I'm like, I'm, I'm a little bit more intentional about where I decide to go. Um, because it depends on my mood. If I'm having an emotional day, I'm just not going to put myself in a position to be, be treated that way. Um, and not because I'm dressed well or, you know, or any of those things, are they not going to treat me that way? It just gives me a better chance of being treated better. Yeah. And so is that part of, we started that conversation uh, and sorry that I'm jumping all over the place, but I just have so many questions, but you started out with that talking about intention. Um, like you have to live a more intentional life than maybe, other people or white people or I have to. And so is that part of that? Like, you know, you, you just, and so where else do you feel it? Where else? Uh, How do you have to live intentionally or what are things are you having to think about that I've never had to think about? Oh, everything. I feel like, I feel like every, like if I, even in my own neighborhood. So if I go outside I, I'm conscious about, you know, who, who's outside with me, what are they thinking about me, especially in this time right now, Mm. because we do, I do feel kind of a racial tension just on my street Mm. amongst my neighbors. Mm. Um, You know, when my son is outside with the nanny, the things that they have said to her and she's, you know, um, from South America, um, you know, those things, um, just with, with my son, you know, mm-hmm. where it, it, I just, I feel like I'm always having to be intentional about my hair. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I wore weaves and it was straight and this pretty kind of Beyonce flowing thing, like my whole career since I was 13 years old until, you know, when I retired three years ago, um, And after I retired, I took my weave out and I'm like, okay, this is my hair. But I could not embrace my hair being in its natural state, the way it grows from my head, because I didn't feel beautiful that way. Mm. Um, Because I've been trained, you know, not just by society, but by an industry that sets the standards for beauty. 
and that's where and I feel the most beautiful with long straight hair mm-hmm. um so I'm intentional about my hair I'm intentional about like I can't just go and pull my hair up in a ponytail and just you know I mean I could but then I'm I'm opening myself up from all kinds of things when I get in my car um to go somewhere if there's a police my heart is out of my chest like please don't pull me over I've only been pulled over twice in my life I was 16 and then last year (laughs) for a speeding ticket um and last year I was coming from my doctor's office I just got some really bad news from my um infertility doctor and I was like crying and so when he stopped me he had no compassion at all not to say I mean I was I was going six miles over the speed limit. So he didn't have to stop me, but he did. Um, And I'm not going to say because I was black, because I don't know, but he was just very cold and like, you know, you don't need to stop crying and you need to just give me your license. I was like, okay. And I, I could, I like, I couldn't even think in that instance. I was just like, okay, I just need to remember to announce everything that I'm doing. Um, May I reach for my registration? May I reach in my purse? My driver's license is there. And I think that's something that you wouldn't have to. I've never even thought about that. This this woman, so this older couple actually um, kind of rear ended me uh, at a stoplight. And so she, I saw her coming towards me. The the light is red. I'm stopped. And she just, you know, kept going. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't really do any damage, but I got out of my car. And I was like, okay, can I just get your insurance and we'll just go. I was with my parents um, and she said, oh, my license, um, my license is expired. I don't have a registration. And I said, okay, well, I'll just call the police so I can, you know, make sure that my insurance will take care of the little scratch I was on my bumper. And she said, oh, it's fine. You can call the police. They're, they're not going to do anything. And I was like, what? You know, like you don't have anything for this car. You don't even have a license and you have like you have, you can say that with confidence, like the police isn't going to do anything. Like, I wish I had those luxuries. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know I what mean, I have to say, Kiana, every day. <laughs> I have never, I have never, ever, ever once thought about what I was going to wear or what my hair looked like. Uh, wow. Never. Be- and, and only if I was going out with a hot guy, like <laughs> that's the only time those, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about how, okay, if I'm going to go get, um, if I'm going to go to Highland park village, like I'm, I would go from yoga, like sweaty, hot, me- like mm-hmm. I've never once thought, Oh, I better go home and change and get ready first because they won't take me seriously. Uh, like oh, a, I've actually gone home to change just to go back if I had to pick something up, like just because I didn't want to deal with the, the profiling or yeah, I didn't want to deal with it. And so I find myself, I know a lot of my black friends, they're like, girl, whatever, just be you and just, you know, but I, I have a lot of different race friends. And for me, not to carry anger and hate in my heart, mm-hmm. I just rather um, avoid it as much as I can, Mm -hmm. um, and not be the quote unquote stereotype. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because especially these last, you know, four years of going through infertility and just being on different, you know, medications and things that make me already super highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, 
I can't, I don't have the capacity for nonsense and, um, and, and all that. Like, so I you just would just rather capacity. not put yourself in that position because uh-huh. it's not worth it. No. And, and most of the time, if, if I make adjustments, I am treated normal, like how, you know, just normal. I don't even know if that's normal because I, I don't know what it's, it's like. You're to be white. normal. Yeah. But, it's like, but okay. the, the thing that kills me about what you just said, Kiana, is the making adjustments. Like, mm-hmm. I, you shouldn't have to make adjustments. Like, nobody should have to make adjustments in order to not be followed or not be accepted or not be taken seriously or she has money. I mean, the, or, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's, you know, Kiana Peak thing. Like, why do you have to have a name or why do you have to have a Gucci purse and, and straight black hair for somebody to say, but, but you know what, Kiana, I have to tell you, and I'm not proud of it. I, there was a time in my life before I went to Africa, before I adopted three children, before I, before I adopted three black children, let me be very clear that I, I know, and I'm, I'm sick to say this and admit this to you. And it like puts a lump in my throat, but there I have done those things too. Like, I have done those things too. And I have been that white person before. And I would have been friends with your kind of black person. And I don't believe, I'm not saying that because I believe that now. Like I believe that there's your kind of black person and another kind of black person. But you know what I'm saying. And even though I'm embarrassed to say it, like you were a good enough black person for me to be friends with, you know, 20 years ago when I didn't know any better. I would have been friends with, with Kiana Pinkley, um, Mm -hmm. or Pinkney, but I, I don't, but not, not all of them, not all of them. And I'm ashamed and embarrassed and, and, I thank God, God works on us and changes us. But I promise you that there are a lot of people listening to this because I know my listeners, uh, Mm -hmm. that they, they feel they're, they're like, they're thinking right now in their minds, damn, I do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, especially, you know, at these events and, you know, the luncheons and all that. It's like, you know, you have to be a certain, like you said, a certain black person for for to be even invited to this stuff. Right. Um, And so I don't know, like a a blogger friend of mine was asking about like what they could do to help bring awareness or to help the Dallas blogging community do better when it comes to um, racism. And so I started reaching out to my black friends in Dallas and I was like, what, what do you think? And they were like, you know, how about doing charity work with, you know, a charity instead of doing it for it's always for the black inner cities or you know we're we're always considered the charity but we also too have organizations that um 
that if these voices got behind mm. and worked with them, mm-hmm. that it could really be powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you that's, know, that's having great. Ev- ev- events that, you know, that are open to, I mean, you don't just want to open your event to anybody like that's going to not know how to handle themselves, but you have, you know, teachers that are well-spoken and that know how to carry themselves that have great conversations and things to contribute um, that are black or, you know, un- single, single moms that, 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 you know, are just in a bad situation, but you know, they're black and they can contribute and they don't have the $10,000 or the hundred thousand dollars to donate or to win in an auction, mm-hmm. but why can't they be a part of whatever you're doing? Yeah. And so Dallas for me has been extremely hard because, you know, I struggle because it is, you know, you have kind of, you have the race card and then you kind of have the class card, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having a son that's, you know, black, I have to be intentional about play dates. And I, mm-hmm. and I had to catch myself because I'm like, most of my friends that have toddlers, they're all white or Asian. Mm-hmm. I don't have any black friends that have toddler um, little boys for him to play with. Um, and so I had to be intentional about making friends with people who had black toddlers so that my kid can play with everybody. Yeah. Um, and so, cause diversity is important. It's just not like just about being around one type of person all sure. the time, but yep. you know, I want to do life with, with, with people, yep. not just, you know, yep. so, you know, um, that's something yeah. that I absolutely love about my children's uh, experience. We live in Preston Hollow, which is a very white neighborhood. Um, but the school that they go to is Hillcrest high school, which is a very diverse high school. And so there's this beautiful combination of like Buston kids and neighborhood kids. And, uh, it's an IB school. So there's kids from all over Dallas that, um, you know, transfer in because they want to go to the international baccalaureate school. So it's just this awesome, awesome, awesome combination of race and color. And, and you know, my daughter did say, and my son, both, uh, Carter and Anna Prynne, who are 16, both expressed yesterday when we were having this conversation that the school is the one place they don't, they are not reminded, um, that, wow. the, that they're, black, but, you know, at church and their sports teams and, you know, parties where they, they, they have friends all over. They go to parties in Highland Park. They've got friends in Lake Highlands. They've got friends that go to WT White and Ursuline and Jesuit. And so their neighborhood and private school friends, they're all white and Highland Park friends, they're all white. And I, I've had to, I have had to have very difficult, hard conversations with them about if you get pulled over, if you, if you are at a party and the police come, you cannot run. You can never be in the backseat of a car (laughs) with a girl, Carter. You just can't like, Uh uh, you know, I mean, and these were conversations that my parents and I know my white friends, cause we talk about it all the time. They've never had those conversations. They've never, you know, if you get pulled over with the police, be, pers- be respectful and you know, whatever, but it's not like a thing. I mean, and you right. saying you see a police and behind you and your heart comes out of your chest. I mean, 
Anna Prent almost has panic attacks, Carter says, when he's driving and a policeman comes by. She's like, Carter, it's a police, police, it's a police. And he's like, yeah. calm down, calm down, calm down. And I mean, I don't like the police behind me, no matter what I'm doing, but I don't like whatever, you know? And I've never yeah. felt that. And, and it's just different. It's just different for my children growing up black than it was for me growing up white. Kiana, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? How old are you? I'm 38. Okay. Oh my gosh. You look 28. Yeah. I'll be 39 in August. August what? 13th. Woo, woo. And how old is your husband? He's 38. Okay, y'all are now. the same age. Yeah, we're the same age. Yeah, he just turned 38 in April. And how did y'all yeah. meet? So we met through mutual friends. My One of my best friends, Brian, he was a um, sports agent at my agency at the time. And he was dating a girl that he wanted to marry. So she came to town and we all, like her, him and I all went to dinner. And she was like, you're so awesome. Why are you single? And I was just like girl, I don't have time. You know, I'm traveling. I'm going, you know, naming all the places I was going. I was like, I'm going to be in Dallas next week. And she was like, oh, you go to Dallas? And I said, yeah, I'll go to shoot for Neiman's. And she said, oh, wow, like I have a friend in Dallas. Um, you know, do you mind if I introduce you guys through email? And I said, okay, cool. No problem. So three months went by and then James emailed me. I didn't know anything about him. He didn't know anything about me. Um, and uh, he he happened to email me while I was in Dallas shooting um, for Neiman. So he came to pick me up. We went on a, which he would call not a date, um, <laughs> just a doing a favor for a friend. So he says. <laughs> Until so, he picked you up and almost fell over because you were so Well, beautiful. you know what's funny? <laughs> the funny part is when he came to pick me up. So he came to the Four Seasons because that's what where Neiman's would put me up. So he came to the Four Seasons. He comes in he's waiting at the bar for me to come downstairs and a bartender says like oh can I help you and he said no I'm just here picking up a friend and he said um, why didn't you wait in the car and what? um no it's, it's a she she says why didn't you wait in the car and, and the male bartender overheard him and and he says you know because I'm a southern gentleman I've never met her before I'm coming to pick her up and so the male bartender goes yeah chivalry's not dead and they kind of you know pound it up and um, so he go, the bartender goes, well, who are you here to pick up? And he said, Kiana Grant. And he said, oh, the supermodel Kiana Grant. And, and he's like, what? Like, because he still didn't know anything about me. And so that was pretty funny because I, I was not intending to tell him anything that I did. <laughs> I was going to lie. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so it was amazing. It was a, an, an amazing night, though, because he took me to the ranch in Las Colinas, which is like very Texas like just, you know, cool restaurant. Um, and we went there and, um, and that night he had actually got funding for his business, um, to start diamond physicians. And I, and he met his wife in the same night so that he, he always says that story. He's like, I met my wife and got funding on the same night. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) And how, how long ago is that? How long ago did you meet? We met in 2013, October, 2013. no, October 2012. We got engaged in 2013 and married in 2014. Okay. He, your yeah. husband is so lovely. So, oh so lovely. 
Yeah, he is. He, you know what? He, he has not changed since the day I met him. Like he still pursues me. He's still, he's still doing all the things, which I think is just so important. He reminds me a lot of my dad, which is awesome. My mom's like, I always pray for you to meet somebody like my dad. And my dad goes, I think you met somebody better than me, baby. That's what I want for you. So it's really sweet. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a amazing, amazing, amazing man. I'm just so thankful for him. I really am. Well, I've really, I've had the opportunity to chat with him several times and he is, he is, and y'all, the love that you both have for one another is just precious. I, I, I love it. And, and, and he's such a good man and you're such a good woman and you both love each other so much. You love your son so much. I didn't, I didn't know you, I didn't know you had fertility issues. Girl, yes. I did not know that about you. (laughs) Well, you know what's okay, so that's like a whole nother thing, but um I I where were we going? Oh, I think we were going to a friend's wedding. Yeah, that's exactly where we were going. We were going to a friend's wedding. Um and James and I, so we got pregnant very quickly um when we got married and we lost our first baby. I had a topic pregnancy. Oh, had to be rushed, rushed to, you know, surgery and all of that stuff. That's dangerous. Um, oh, it was very literally like, it's, it's such a long story, but that was like by the grace of God, because the next day I was actually supposed to be on a flight to Italy to shoot a chocolate commercial. Oh, wow. And so I was going to cancel my doctor's appointment. Um, it was our first doctor's appointment to get the, our, you know, our ultrasound. Um, and I was going to cancel it and we'll reschedule it until I got back. And James was like, no, we've been rescheduling a lot. Like you need to, let's just go. And he, he saw it, it was, you know, going to rupture at any moment. So they rushed me down to surgery. Um, and so, yeah, so that happened. And then a few months later we started, you know, IVF stuff. And then we were going to a friend's wedding and Kitty gave me your book, Borrow Courage, which was amazing like thank you like literally I felt like we were girlfriends I felt like (laughs) you were just telling me your story and I'm reading it I'm like yes girl and I'm crying and James is like are you okay I'm like read this part right here like (laughs) like, it was such a well-written like and it gave me it really gave me the courage to continue to keep fighting for what we wanted Kiana Um, that is so nice of you to say that is so miss, nice of you to I mean, say. Thank you. No, K- Kitty was like, I, I have a, I have a book for you. You know how she is. She's like, yes. I have something for you. I'm going to get it for you. You have to read this. You, you just have to read it. And I was like, okay, Kitty. Like I was not in the mood to read anything. And so I just threw it in my bag and I'm sitting on this plane and I'm like, okay, let me read this book. This and, like, stupid first, book like, that my friend gave me that know, I'm going to have to pretend like I give a crap about. I know. Cause she's going to want to talk about it. So I have to like read it, you know? And I finished the book on the flight going and and I read it again on the flight coming back. Oh like gosh. that's how impactful it was. Oh. It was, it was like, it was so well written and you like just your story. And it just was like, okay, if she can go through that, I can deal with some needles. I got this, oh, you know, <laughs> that is so sweet. So, and look at the, yeah. look at the precious gift and blessing you were I given. Know. I mean, 
He is an answer to my adorable. prayers. Adorable. And people need to follow you. So uh, tell them your uh, Instagram or Facebook. However, uh, what I know you're on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook, yeah. but whatever your I, favorite uh, is, tell, tell everybody Instagram, how to find um, you. Um, Instagram, I'm at Kiana Grant. So it's my maiden name. It's just Kiana that Grant. simple. <laughs> yeah, that's simple. Yeah, simple, simple. I know I still haven't changed it to uh, my married name yet, but yeah. So Kiana, in the middle of all of this, I'm sure that you have had so many emotions, so many, um, I mean, just thoughts, feelings, uh, heartache, anger. And, and so I mean, we have a lot of people who listen to this show and I, I would just love to hear from you as a, you know, as a person of faith and a person who, who loves being black and who's embraced your life and been such a blessing and influence to so many. And, you know, you married a beautiful black man and you have a beautiful black son and like what, what it, what do we need to know? What do we need to hear? What do you want to say? Like, how can we be better as people? Yeah. Um, this, these last three, well, two weeks rather have been an emotional roller coaster. I've been numb. I've been angry, really, really angry. I've been deeply hurt. Um, by friends who have, you know, decided to not speak up or not call or, um, I've been, you know, I've had to process a lot with God. Um, that's, that's who I tend to process things with first, just so Smart I'm not emotional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I've been, you know, I've been kind of I was, I, I'm not going to say I've been, I was stuck in a place where, you know, posting anything else j just didn't seem appropriate or right. Mm -hmm. Um, because this is something that, you know, even with my black friends, I was a little, I've been a little angry because I feel like, you know, a lot of times we deliver the message that we want to say with anger and with, oh, you should know better, or there's Google, or educate yourself, do your own work, don't you see this is happening to me, instead of listening on both sides mm -hmm. um, to understand, okay, you don't know what it's like to be black, and I don't know what it's like to be white, so the only thing that I have is my story. Um, we can debate you know, what happened at this protest and what happened here and how people are changing the narrative and, you know, the, the, you know, everybody's going back and forth with, you know, all lives matter, black lives matter, like the whole thing. And it's like, I can't convince you and I'm not going to spend my energy convincing you. All I have is my story. I want to be, I, I want to be the heart of Jesus. I want to convey that. I want to, I want to be, in all of this chaos, I want to um, really sympathize and empathize with those who want to learn and educate themselves and give the platform for us to share our stories. 
Um, because if I'm telling you what's happened to me, no one can debate that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they'll try to pick it apart. Well, what were you doing? And yep. why? Yep. Because that's like human nature. Like if someone's treating you wrong, you had to do something bad. Right. And being black, that's not the case. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. You're black. That's already bad. You know, and that's the way people see you. That just um, stings when you say that. It just stings to hear it's, it. It's true. And I know. even amongst within the own, your own black race, yeah. you feel that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, my, the way that I'm staying focused through all of this is to stay focused. Mm-hmm. This is about police brutality. Mm-hmm. This is not about other things going on. Those, it's so many layers that yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. when people get uncomfortable, they don't want to, they don't want to be uncomfortable. But my advice is to watch the video of George Floyd being murdered, feel those emotions, whatever you feel, um, and sit in that mm-hmm. for a second. And then, and then move on from that, like talk to your friends and have those uncomfortable conversations with each other, because that's the way we grow. We don't grow by saying, oh, well, this is what I saw on CNN. Well, this is what I saw on Fox. Or this is what, this is what my friend said about this. And, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't have the capacity to argue or to debate. If you don't agree with what I feel, then that's your right. Right. Um, but I just don't want to be scared. I don't want, every time James leaves the house, he always texts me wherever he is. Like whenever he makes it safe, he texts me. Like, why does he do that? Because anything can happen between him leaving home and him getting to where he needs to go, anything. And he's a doctor who has influence in this city. And it's still, he still has to worry about that. I still have to worry about that. we don't go running in our neighborhood and we live in a nice neighborhood, but we don't go running at night when it, when it starts getting dark, we're in our house. Why? And this is what we're fighting for, for to be treated fairly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like when a lot of temperatures are rising and there's a lot of people uncomfortable because they haven't felt this, they haven't seen this, they can't imagine this. We're exaggerating the truth. Um, I've heard it all. You know, oh, that never happens. It's like, maybe it never happens in your world. But if we go to the same, if you and I, Tova, go to, let's just say the grocery store, because that's what we keep talking about. We go to the grocery store and someone says something to me and you may say, oh, that's funny or whatever. And I'll say, okay, now look at it through my eyes. This is why I find that offensive. And then you can say, well, look at it through my eyes. This is why I didn't find it offensive. And somewhere in the middle, we can try and and come together yeah and see you know what that was pretty racist I didn't even think about that it's just the little things yeah um so I've been challenging my friends um who are black to just support their white friends and their white family members that are speaking out because I know it's not easy um when you have a platform and people don't agree you lose followers you lose business um and for something that you're standing for that you may not completely understand, but you know, it's not right. And I think that that is very brave to do. So I've been trying to do my best to help my non-white friend, my non-black friends, you know, on their platforms. And also to my, my, my friends that are parents and my family members that are parents. Um, it starts at home, Yeah, you know, like 
Yep. You might be raising the next president. You might be raising the next police chief. Yep. And if they have this foundation of love and equality and speaking out against things that aren't right, yep. you know, it's not political. It's just, it's just not right. Yeah. Um, it's just not right. Yeah. It's it's a human thing. It's not it's yeah. it's not politics. You know, I wrote on my Instagram last week like God created man and when he created man, he said it was good. Period. You know, and yeah. somewhere along the way, man has created this hierarchy or this I don't even know what to say it. Um where yeah. this person is better on whatever for whatever reason and for whatever way than another person simply based on the color of their skin and if you we we mess that up like god this was never god's intention for our world Ever. no Mm-mm. and and shame on us for letting it get so out of hand and I, I love what you said. Like, I'm just trying to stay focused on what this is about. This is about a black man who died at the hands of a policeman who had already had 16 complaints against him because he was, he was a terrible cop and he had already had all kinds of complaints. And for some reason, this this police, um, this station had put him in charge of training these people, the, you know, the people who were observing and I mean, shame Mm -hmm. on them for standing and watching. But I mean, if you think about it, like he was their superior, you know, and he's showing them the way. I mean, it's just, there's so many things that are wrong with this story and then you yeah. and then you put on top of it that you know, this man di- was dying and he was crying out for his mother and he was saying i can't yeah. breathe and like that's the story that's the story yeah. and, and when i saw that and heard him calling for his mom i heard my son calling for me oh, i heard cry my like a baby husband I mean, literally, like I didn't see, I didn't see George Floyd. I saw someone I knew on the ground restrained already and them holding him down. I don't care. And and a lot of people say, oh, what, you know, he wasn't that good of a person. It's like, I don't care what he did. I don't care if he murdered someone. You have him in handcuffs. There's no need to continue to restrain this man. And you did it anyway. Yeah. And that's where. That's where I feel like a lot of conflict happens between friends in conversation is because they see it one way. Like no one's T.D. Jakes actually said this, I think last week or the week before he said, we're not asking to not be arrested. We're just asking not to have our trial on the street. Mm. Oh, I did not see that or hear that. But that's really, really, yeah, really good. He and you know what? With, oh, go ahead. Okay. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, no, I want to hear what you were saying. I want to know. He had oh, a no, conversation I was just going to say his con- with Carl Lentz from Hillsong in New York. It was. It's mm-hmm. you can you can see it on um, um, YouTube. It's, it's still on there. But it was really good the conversation they had. And I said that is exactly what 
this is about. It's not about not being arrested or mm-hmm. not, you know, whether or not um, what what substance he was on. I mean, nobody's debating yeah. that. No, nobody's no. debating his criminal record. Nobody's debating yeah. the kind of father he was. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not, not what this is killed. about. No, he should not yeah. have been murdered. And you no. know what? I I have watched the riots, and I have watched. Of course, I mean, you've been yeah. your heads in the sand if you're not. If you're not, and and it's it's devastating that this has been the response, and it's certainly not the answer. But I have heard so many black people say we're hurting, we're angry, we're fed up, nobody's listening, it's not changing, you know. And I mean, this has been going on entirely too long. It's Mm -hmm. just been going on way too long. And I mean, for you to say, I, I didn't see... George Floyd, I saw my son. I have to tell you, so did I. And it, it is not right. It is not right that my two boys, I, I've had to have conversations with my two boys that my friends who have white boys will never, have never, ever, 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 ever had to have with their boys. And it's, I mean you know, Janice, my therapist, I always am like, Janice, it's not fair. And she's like, well, the fair ended when you were seven. And I, but it, this is one of those things. It's not only not fair, it is not right. It's not right. It's not right. Because we were all created in the image of God. And when God was done creating us, he said it was good. It was good. Yes. And, and you know what? Kiana, you're, you are, you does, you and everyone with your skin color deserves to be in Gucci and Versace and Neiman's and walk down grocery stores. (laughs) And it makes me so, so sad that you are reminded on a consistent basis, the color of your skin. And I just, it is my prayer. It is my prayer that sometime in this, in our lifetime, that, that our children, that our children will be able to go somewhere and not think about, oh yeah, I'm black. (laughs) I mean, there's been so many times that I've been (laughs) with my kids and people are staring like, and I've, I've, like we giggle like now, like, you know, and, and the, I used to like make jokes about it when they were little and now I can't make them anymore. Cause they, they, uh, get mad at me, but we, I would have people stare at me all the time. And I knew they were trying to figure out who I was like, is she, uh-huh. is she the nanny? Is she right. like, <laughs> and I would look at them and I would say their dad's a huge black man. And <laughs> And I'd start laughing and, and my kids would be like, mom, mom, you know, but like, God bless. We're all just God's children. You know, we're all just God's children. And, and, and we have got to start treating one another like God's children. Yeah, we, we have to start. And I, and I feel like a lot of people feel stuck as to like, what can we do? How can we help? You know, um, 
I was talking to a black friend of mine earlier today and she was like, you know, I don't even know what to do. I'm just stuck. She's in New York and, you know, mm. the the protesters and the rioters and people are dying and it's terrible. She's like, I can't even take my kids to the park without, you know, seeing strollers with protest signs everywhere, having, you know, explain this to my seven year old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just so heavy for me because you have people in the thick of it. Right. Like, I feel like here in Dallas, you know, unless you're downtown when it's happening, like you don't see it in your face. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're not, you're not in the thick of it, but you know, I, I was telling her, I was just like, you have to take care of your mental health and all of this as well, because it is exhausting. It is. Um, I've been exhausted my whole life dealing with this, dealing with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to continue to get that way, but change is not going to happen if you get tired and do nothing. Mm. You have to sign the petitions. You have to donate to, you know, the organizations. You have to continue to raise your voice. You have to vote. Like there's yep. so yep. many things. Yep. Even in our city, like I'm, I'm on the, um, the councilman that sends all the emails out and they have, you know, um, you know, coffee dates with a cop. Like I take my son there. I'm like mm. the, the cops in my city will know who we are mm. because I don't want to get shot. We, we make that an intentional thing. They have mm. coffee dates every quarter with the cops. And, and that's the one I'm like, okay, we got to do this. Or, yeah. you know, just the, the things in your, in your community, like we have to be more proactive about, um, about, you know, if you want to change something, we have to just be uncomfortable because if it's going to make it better for our children, I am willing to give my life for this, sure. whatever it takes. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It just, it saddens me. It saddens me. And you know what? Uh, On, on behalf, like from myself, from myself, Kiana, and from all the people who, who do feel the way that I feel and don't have a platform and don't have a voice. I just want you to know for all the times for all the times that I've like profiled and not had good thoughts and I've been for lack of a better word, racist, you know, I just want you to know, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. It's not right. And uh, I just, I hope that you and everybody can forgive me for the times I've just not done it well and I've not done it right. And I want to be, I want to be a better white person. And, and I want, I want every white person to be a better white person. (laughs) I just do. And I'm sorry for the way that, um, for, for far too many, for far too many years, uh, black people have been, profiled and treated and stared at and judged and for no reason. And, uh, I appreciate that. well, I mean it. I do. I like, now you got me crying. I'm like, girl, I tried to do makeup today and be cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, like I, I appreciate that. And I, and it just means, it means so much because I know you have such a voice and you speaking out, speaking out, you know, you can convey things that I can't because I'm not white. And the fact that you get it, like you get it. I do. Get and it. 
I can't even imagine being in your shoes, being a white person, raising your black children and having to be able to relate or try because, um, you know, you have to be able to communicate with them and, and all those things. But, um, I, I, I totally forgive all the things. I mean, I just, I just want things to change. And I think that starts with these conversations and, you know, calling things as you see them. Like, I mean, if, if someone's, you know, following someone around in the grocery store, don't just watch, call them out, you know, um, or I keep saying the grocery store because that's where I am most of the time. It's your big outing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I'm always at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but you call them out and I, and and, I really love so much, so much more weight. I mean, because it happens and I think we're so it, we're in our own worlds, right? Like you're in your world, I'm in my world and our worlds are just completely different when it comes to us being outside of our home. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know how, I mean, how the world can be, but we live in Dallas, you know how it can be here and it's Mm -hmm. not always the most inviting place for um, you to just be who you are. Um, So you know, yeah, and I, I appreciate and, you saying that. Well, and I think that every single person listening to this needs to do. I would just encourage everybody to take some inventory. You know, take some real inventory and and get real honest with um, their. You know, you know uh, the UT coach. I don't know if you saw what he said. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, I loved it. I'm, in fact, somebody sent it to me. Let me see if I have it still. I but, reposted it, actually. Oh, so you do you have it at your fingertips? Um, I can tell. Let me see. I, Let me see. I don't have it anymore. Somebody sent it to uh, me. Let me see. I just, you know what? I take all these screenshots. Let me see where it is. I can't, I don't think it's on my story. Anymore. It's okay. Well, you know what? I'll just, yeah. I'll sum it up. But he said, you know, you, you love these athletes. You, you, you love them for three hours on every Saturday. You know, you, you uh-huh. cheer their names, you hold up signs, but, um, but would we let them date our daughters? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh. <laughs> I love. <it. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Because so many people think Carter and George and Anna Prynne, my children, are phenomenal. Like, they're like, they are the best kids. They, oh my gosh, they're so fab. They're such good athletes. And oh, there's such a good voice and so talented. And, and, and they're, you know, it's like, it, and then I'm, I'm, I, there have been times where I thought, yeah, but would you, would you really let your daughter date? Carter, you know, (laughs) I've had that Uh thought. I have had that thought. Um, Or, you know, Carter's or, you know, George George have dated real cute white girls or had crushes on cute white girls. And, and, uh, you know, it never went further than the crush. And I thought, where, where, where did that stop? You know? Yeah. Where did that stop? I mean, these are just my thoughts and I'm not, I could be totally wrong, but I'm, I might, no, I might, you're not. I might not be totally wrong um, mm-hmm. about some mom or dad saying, 
oh, he's a good boy and they're such a good family, but yeah, you know, not for my daughter. Yeah, you're not good. You don't. You don't want to date them. You know. Yeah. And yeah. or you don't want to take Anna Prenda home. Come. There's so many. You know, like, what about? You know. What about Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not <about> Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> not so much Lakeisha. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's then uh, this is why we have to keep the conversation going. I feel like Americans, we get amnesia so yes, fast. We do. You know, like we were in the middle of Corona like two weeks ago, you know, mm. and everybody thought we were going to mm. die, you know, and, and then this happened and everybody's neck is turned and it's kind of, you know, I don't want this to pass over and something else to happen. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation stops. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do feel, I have to say on a more positive note, I do feel like um, the tide is starting to turn. I don't know if it will turn in my lifetime, but I feel like, you know, you have these companies that are speaking out. The fact that the NFL, you know, admitted that they were wrong. Um, and what they did to Colin Kaepernick when he was trying to protest police brutality and how they changed it. I mean, the fact that they, you know, have said this um, is huge. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and people can look at their motive and people can look at things. But what I care about is the voice. Mm-hmm. And if you're making this sort of stance, then then I feel like it, like we're not alone in fighting this because black people, every time someone dies from police brutality we're protesting and we're signing the petitions and we're doing all these things to make a change but then the next black person dies and it's on to the next hashtag Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you forget about the last person yeah Yeah. and i don't want this to happen with this where the conversations stop and you know um and nothing happens and then our kids are going to be fighting the same war when they get older and it, it just breaks my heart. I mean, I look at my son and I'm like, I love, nothing brings me more joy than to watch that little boy play. Mm-hmm. He loves to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't care about iPads and TV and stuff. He just loves to play. And so when we have play dates, you know, it's so, it just, it, it does something in my heart to see him play and engage with other kids. And I just, think to myself, at what point is he going to become a threat? At what point mm. is, are his kids, you know, will his fa- will the other family say like, no, like mm-hmm. you don't need to hang around him mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. that may happen. Yeah. But then you have on the flip side, you know, I have a lot of white friends that are raising their kids with, you know, different colored doll babies and mm-hmm. just being very intentional with diversity in their home. And I said, it just warms my heart because if I sent him to St. Mark's or sent him, you know, to a private school that was all white and my friend, you know, son goes there, then I know he'll have an advocate for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that makes me happy to, to know that we do have, you know, people that are teaching their kids the right way, um, how to be, you're not going to, you're not going to know how to be black. I mean, just because you know, my experiences, like the, your reality is still different right sure. now. Yep. Um, and it always will be. So, yeah. I well, I hope, I hope it, I hope it will be equal at some point in my well, in life. Well, yes, I hope so <laughs> too. You're, right. you're exactly right. Yeah. I just won't, I won't ever know what it's been like to be you, you know, I will never yeah. understand. And, but 
but you're right. Continuing the conversation, having the hard talks, looking in the mirror and admitting things about yourself that you don't want to admit. I mean, we all have to do it and it's the only way we're going to get there. And, you know, loving each other the way that, that the Lord came and to show us how to love. I mean, there's no other way. There's no other way. And it's not going to get better until we do. And you can't love God if you don't love people. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I mean, that just makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah, you can't. It's not possible. You can't. Well, I love love you and I'm so thankful to you, Kiana, and, and thankful for your time and thankful for your voice and thankful for the example that you set, the example you and your husband set, the example you set as a mother. I mean, you are truly a beautiful human inside and out. And I know that I know that this is going to make a big difference in the lives and hearts of many. So I hope you know how much I appreciate your time and and your love and your wisdom today. It's meant the world to me. Thank you so much, Tova. I love, I love you. And I love, I just love your heart and wanting to um, use your platform to, um, to, to, you know, continue the conversation. And I am so grateful on behalf of the black community. (laughs) (laughs) I am so grateful for, uh, for you and just um, what you're doing. Like it, it is incredible. It really is. It is making a difference. And whatever you feel like it's not, just remember it is this, these conversations make a huge difference. Like if there's one person that, that feels convicted because of, you know, this conversation, it was worth it. Amen. You don't know who that person is raising. They could be raising the president that, or whoever, you know, that could really change this world. Um, So thank you. Well, I'm going to keep talking. So, and I can't wait to see you soon. And please tell your precious husband i said hello and and just thank you thank you thank you god bless you same to you bye honey i love you bye